Good morning, Fano. Good morning. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome, Excite Fano. There's a few new faces in here that I haven't uh, met or seen before. Welcome to you guys. I hope you got your pack. If you didn't, be brave at the end and grab it because there's chocolate in there. Who is that woman? Um, I just uh, want to pray first, if that's all right with you guys, because when we hear the word of God, it's important that, um, that we focus and that we are expectant, because if you came here to hear someone speak and give you advice on your life, um, that's kind of the wrong idea here. You need to come here expecting to hear from God and expecting for God to speak into your life. And if you can do that, I promise you that he has something to say to you this morning. Has someone got faith for that this morning? Someone. Yes. Good. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can get together here, Father. We thank you uh, for your word that brings life, for your word that nourishes us. Lord, we thank you for what your son did, and we thank you that he made a way to bridge the gap between us and yourself, Father. And Lord, we accept all the grace that you give us, willingly and for free. And Father, we just pray that this word that goes out this morning touches somebody, speaks to someone, and that, and, and that as the seed's thrown out this morning, that there is an ex, uh, a spirit of expectation, an atmosphere of expectation for those seeds to be sown into this morning, and that you will continue to water them and grow them in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, identity. Identity is something that personally I am very, very passionate about because it is something that I personally have struggled with. And, and I think everybody in this room, for sure, at some point has struggled with their identity. And the first thing that I want to bring to you this morning uh, is to <clears throat> talk about your foundation. Because no matter what you build, and no matter how strong your house, and no matter how great your construction, if you are not set on a solid foundation, a time will come where it will be shaken, and it doesn't matter what you built or how you built it, it is going to topple. And I want to read to you about the wise and the foolish builders from Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And this reads, Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, who here is a person of action? Yes, we have seven people of action in the house this morning. <laughs> who in the house is a person of action? Yeah, all of Excite family are people of action. You can tell, you can tell by what we do and how we outreach into the community. We put, we put words into action. We don't just say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. Our yeses are yes and our noes are no. We don't just sit around and listen, but we act on it. Amen? Amen? And this is important. It says, for, uh, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is what you're doing now, and puts them into practice, that's what you're going to do tomorrow, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday, and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Not Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) 
Not Dwayne Johnson. Jesus. The rock. Amen. The only rock that is immovable. Amen. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house. And yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, that's what you're doing now, and does not put them into practice, that's what you're not going to do the rest of the week, is a foolish man. I don't see any foolish men in the house this morning. Who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So this is Jesus talking. And he's talking about people hearing the word of God and putting it into action. Now, this, this uh, picture of foundation, I believe, is just as important for where you set, what foundation you set your personal identity in. And that depending on where you place your identity and who you believe you are and what you allow to speak about who you are, the foundation that you're planting your identity into can be shaken and thrown and broken if it is not Jesus. If it is not what Jesus says about you. If it is not what Jesus has done for you. If it is not what God has said about you. If it's not what the Word says about you. Then it can be shaken. It can be crumbled. It can be broken. Your perception of who you are and your idea of your own identity and who you believe you truly are can be a source of strength, it can be a source of confidence, security, and power. You know, I know so many times my parents, my parents put me through um, drama, drama classes since I was like four years old. And, uh, and they, threw, you know, they encouraged me to go on stage and uh, perform. They, they were very strict about um, their children responding and speaking to adults from when they were young. You know, there was no... You couldn't just ignore an adult when they said hello to you. You had to say hello back and you had to shake their hand. And, and all of this, because my parents understood that if I were to grow up confident, it would help me a lot in life. Yeah? And, and, and so, if you're confident in who you are, you're more likely to succeed in things. This is what I was taught. Yeah? And there's truth in that. It can also, though, be a source of self-condemnation, of fear, and of anxiety. Because... When you build yourself up on something, like your ability to speak, your ability to perform, and then when that thing is taken away from you, you're left with something, that, you're left with a void that is filled with anxiety and depression and fear. How many have experienced that? You know, I have. What we believe about our identity undoubtedly plays a huge part in carving out our future. It can often be the lens through which we perceive our situation. So who we think we are can affect how we see the world and how we see our situation. Have you ever, have you ever met, I know there's none of them here, but have you ever met a person that whenever something bad happens to them, it's, it's never because of what they've done? Some people just are unlucky. And they will go from job to job to job and no job will work out because they just kept stumbling into the wrong jobs. (laughs) 
And they will go from, uh, they will go from church to church to church to church. And they will never quite put their roots in because oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't spirit-filled enough or it was too spirit-filled. They lift their hands at 20 degrees instead of 60 degrees. It wasn't really my jam. The, 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 the band, you know, that bass player. I was not able to enter the courts with thanksgiving and praise because the bass player played a B flat when he should have played a B. <laughs> jazz, jazz. <laughs> so it can affect how you see things. Yeah? And it also colors everything we receive as well. So if you receive a gift, if you receive a gift from somebody and you have a certain idea of who you are, sometimes that gift cannot appear to you, the gift that it was meant to be given to you. I know a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of people who, when we talk about the gift that Jesus has given us, because they don't quite understand who they are, they don't see it like the gift it is. They see it like a, a reward for performing well. And that they have to get themselves to a certain level before they can receive that. Or they see it like a shackle tying them to a certain lifestyle that doesn't fit them. Because who they are, who they've defined themselves to be, is not really who God intended for them to be. Amen? It affects our sense of self-worth and it governs how we allow ourselves to be treated. See, my wife taught me a really good lesson when our daughter was born or just before our daughter was born. She spoke to me about, um, you know, how to be a good father, you know. And, uh, and she spoke to me and she said to me, you know, your, your daughter will look at the way that you treat me and your daughter will look at the way that you treat uh, her and from that, she will learn about herself and she will, she will set her standards for how she will allow herself to be treated in life. If you don't feel you have a sense of self-worth, if you don't feel you're worth it, you'll allow others to treat you like you're not worth it. That'll come into your life more. And no one places more worth in you than our Father. No one places more worth in you than Jesus. I can tell you right now, and I think Paul mentioned this last, last week as well, but it's so important. I can tell you right now, if there was no one else on this earth but you, Jesus would still have gone to that cross. He would still have given his life so that you could be free to follow him, to free to abide with him, free to be one with him. It governs how we, we, offer, uh, we allow ourselves to be treated and what we allow into our lives and also what we hold at arm's length. Sometimes we're holding things out because of who we believe we are that we should be allowing into our lives. And it's a confusing journey trying to discover who you are by the world's standards. You know, we grow up these days being told, you, need to just, you just need to find, discover who you are. You just need to find out who you are. You just need to do all these things, do different things, figure out who you are. Um, the world tells us that we have to fight to belong. The, the desire to belong somewhere is a powerful, powerful motivator. 
Who knows that this is why gangs are so successful? They know. They know what it's all about. Because they will find a kid that has no sense of belonging, who lives in a broken household, who has nowhere to go and nowhere to turn and no sense of people backing him up, no sense of family around him, and they'll say, I'm your family. And as soon as that kid finds a place to belong, man, they will go through some crazy things just to stay there. And they don't even know that they already belong somewhere, that a place has already been made for them. And that they don't have to fight for it. You see, even, even in, in, in gangs and things like that, you still have to fight to belong. You know, and we're taught that as a culture. You know, if you want to fit in here, you've got to fight to belong. Let me tell you something. You don't have to fight to come through those doors on a Sunday morning. You don't have to fight to belong here at Excite Church. You belong. This is home. Whether you've never been here before, whether you don't want to come back, whether you come back every week, you belong here. If, you, if, you, if you've been coming here for years and you don't come tomorrow and the, and the next Sunday and the next Sunday after that, oh, we'll talk about, no, we won't talk about you. You'll belong. You'll belong if you come back in a year's time. You know what? Because we're all part of one family here. And you don't have to fight for it. Someone already did the fighting for it. And his name's Jesus. And he is the rock. He already fought for it. He already died for it. And he came back to life. Why? So that you could be part of his family. So that could be a ma- made a space for you. You and me. John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, yet to all who did receive him, and I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the ser- service, at the end of the sermon, if you haven't received Jesus, if you don't know if you have, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end of this. Yet to all who did receive, and you don't have to fight for him, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The need to belong is such a powerful motivator. Another thing the world likes to tell us about ourselves is that you are in debt and you need to redeem yourself. I'm here to tell you that your redemption is secured in Christ for what he did. And he came to fulfill the law concerning you and remove your separation from God. You are redeemed. If you don't believe you're redeemed in this place, I'm telling you right now, receive it. You are redeemed. I don't care what you did this morning. I don't care what you did last week. You are redeemed. Christ already did it. He did it for what you did last week. He did it for what you did yesteryear. He did it for what you're going to do next year. You don't, you don't identify with that anymore. You are not slave to that anymore. Jesus broke those bounds, broke those chains, and now you are free to be living enslaved to righteous living in Christ. That's what the Word says. Your worth is not defined by the standards of this world. It is not defined by your wealth, by your class, by your race, by your popularity, or by your health. Your worth is found in what Christ did for you. It is as unchanging and constant as God himself. Your worth cannot be increased or decreased by your health status, by your financial status, by your social status, by your marital status. Your worth cannot be increased 
or decrease, certainly not by your Facebook status. They don't even use, I'm told they don't even use Facebook anymore, kids, because all their parents are on it. Your worth, your worth cannot be increased or decreased by your Instagram status or your Snapchat. Do they even do statuses in Snapchat and Instagram? I'll make it up. I'll make it up. Preach it. Psalm 139, 13 to 16. Let God tell you just how much he thinks you're worth. Take a read of this, because this is truth. The word is full of truth. For you created, this is us talking to our creator. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Each and every one of you here is fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God's not making your life up as he goes along. Your worth is found in him. And it cannot change, it cannot move, and it is no less than or greater than than any other person in this room or in this earth. God knew each of you before you were created. He put you together in your mother's wombs. And I tell you what, He's not making your life up as you go along. Sometimes we can try and make our lives up as we go along, but He's like that GPS that just keeps rerouting keeps rerouting, keeps rerouting. Every time we take a wrong turn, rerouting, rerouting. And he will pull us back into line if we allow him because he knows where he needs us to be and he knows where we can walk into our blessing. Amen. So if we allow him, he will guide us and direct us because we're worth it to him. Your sense of self-worth is what governs you, how you're allowed to be treated. I spoke on that before. You know, I had a friend who, um, when, I was, uh, when we were younger, just out of school, and she said to me, I said, I, I said, to, you, I said to her, have you got a job? And she said, yeah, I had this job, and then, and then I applied for this other one, but I didn't take it. And, I said, um, and, and they offered it to me, but I didn't take it. And I said, why didn't you take it? And she said, I don't get out of bed for anything less than $18 an hour. And back then, that was, actually, that was actually pretty decent for someone our age and unskilled. And she got, no, I don't get out of bed for anything less than $18 an hour. She knew her worth. She wasn't going to move for it. But I tell you what, I know that I'm worth a lot more than $18 an hour. And I'll get out of bed for Jesus. And you know, the enemy also knows how much you're worth. And if you're feeling pressure, it's because he knows how much you're worth. And he knows that the danger you are. My brother-in-law once said, I want to be one of those believers that when I get out of the morning and I put my feet on the ground, the enemy goes, oh, no, not again. 
I want to be one of those believers. I want to get out of bed, put my feet on the ground, and feel the shadows flee. And feel the enemy flee. And look at his back as he, as he runs away. And he just goes, oh, no, Reuben's up again. Oh, I had a good time at night, but no, Reuben's up again. I've got to run away. <laughs> and I tell you what, I put my sense of self-worth also at a time... And this is, this is how God spoke to me and brought me to Him and reconciled me with Him where nothing else really would. As, um, you know, we, and, and Sophia has spoken about sharing your faith this morning. And, um, and this is really important um, as well. And another, another important thing to note is that we don't prepare people for when, for when God wants to bring them home. Um, we're not the ones that actually cross the line for them. So you can push and push and push and push on someone if they're not responding, if they're not ready, if God hasn't prepared them for it, it's not going to happen if, if just yet. It might not be you that doesn't. And this, I had a revelation about this, um, the scripture about casting your pearls before the swine. And uh, a lot of people like to use that as an excuse to not outreach. Um, but I'm telling you that it's a scripture to caution us about where we put our energies. Um, if you are sitting there trying to just force feed gospel into somebody and they're not responding it might not be time for them but i tell you what don't cast your pearls there because there'll be a hundred more at the door that have been knocking there that god has prepared for you to share with that are ready and ripe and i tell you it could be the person at the bp every time you fill up your gas it could be the the girl at the checkout at new world that you're ignoring because you're just so focused on this one person that you really want to come to christ and, uh, and, and you need to listen to the Holy Spirit about who you're sharing with. And the reason that I bring that up is because my experience coming to Christ was not one of any one person sitting with me and going, look, you're doing wrong, you're going the wrong way, you need to come back. Because I knew who I was, I knew what my identity was, it was founded in what I thought was solid, which was my own character, my own work ethic. And if someone had come to me and said, you're doing life wrong, I'd be turning around to them and going, I'm doing life exactly right. And I think there are many people like that. But do you know what this, um, the, the people in my life did that were Christian, which was all my wife's family, um, they just loved on me. And they saw me for how God saw me. You see, just as important as knowing who you are in Christ is knowing who everybody else is in Christ. You know, they knew who, who they were. They knew who they were, but they weren't coming to me and going, look, we're on this side of the fence, and you're over there in the mud. You need to sort yourself out. No, they saw me for who God saw me for. And they loved on me and loved on me and loved on me and shared with me the way God had moved in their lives. And they opened up their church to me. They opened up their home to me. I was serving before I was saved. It was a belong before you believe scenario. I was on the sound desk. I was on the sound desk, not a believer, but still mixing, mixing sound for the Lord. And the pastor, the pastor, he, you know, he saw something and he, get, and he was just like, no, I'm just going to let this guy serve. I'm going to let him. I was setting up chairs and packing down chairs. And he goes, no, no, I'm going to let this guy because God's going to do something in his life. And I'll tell you what it was, he struck me where it hurt, which was my sense of identity. And I tell you, if you've got a shaking in your life at the moment, if you've got a shaking where you, you're, you're starting to doubt who you are, you know, I started to doubt who I was. I was a good surveyor. I was a good worker. Um, I had been a good musician. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, the job wasn't going that well. And all of a sudden, I couldn't see that I was actually providing for my family the way that I should have been. And I fell apart because that's where my identity was. I was like, I'm the provider. I am the, I am the man. I'm the one that's going to bring home the bacon. And all of a sudden, when it wasn't working, my will was being shaken and I had nowhere left to grab onto. And God came to me in that moment. You know, when I was sitting there on the sound desk and my brother-in-law offered up an opportunity for us to, for someone to come to Christ. And there I was, walked down the aisle because I had lost my identity because I'd laid it in the wrong rock. I'd set it on sand. And I'm telling you this morning, if there's a shaking in your life, if you are unsure why it's all going wrong, why it's all falling apart, I encourage you to take a look at just where you have laid the foundation of who you are. And who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Are you what your mates say about you? Are you what your boss says about you? Are you your achievements or your goals you didn't meet? Are you the color of your skin or the place that you live or the shoes on your feet or the hat on your head or the clothes you wear? Are you the friends you have? Or are you what God says you are? Are you a son of the Most High? Are you a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Are you a brother or sister to Christ himself? Are you a priest or a king? I'm telling you, you are. And you just need to realize it. Once you know who you are, once you know who you are in Christ, once you know what he says about you, and you believe it, the blessings will just pour out in your life. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. <laughs> being good at your craft, being good at your job, having loads of money, having a nice car, these are not bad things. And, uh, and Jesus actually challenged a rich man in Matthew 19 saying that if he wanted to be perfect, because this guy came to him and he said, I've, I've, I've obeyed all of the commandments. I've done everything right. What else do I need to do, Jesus? And Jesus said, well, if you want to be perfect, take everything you have and give it away. And Jesus is not, God's not telling you right now in this, well, he might be, but he's not telling you generally right now, everybody go give away everything you have and give it to the poor. He recognized where this guy had laid his foundation. Jesus speaks truth to the spirit of a problem. And I tell you, even the disciples would have been standing around him going, whoa, what's he? Oh, this is a bit scary. And later they were like, well, if that's the case, who can be saved? But Jesus knew the truth. He knew where this guy's identity had been founded. It had been founded in his wealth, in his possession. And Jesus said, you need to cut that tie. And God's telling you this morning, you need to cut that tie. You need to cut that tie to, to where you're laying your identity. You need to cut that tie to you being good at your job or your health or you being fit or you being good looking or you having the nice car or the nice things. You need to cut that tie. And as Pastor Paul was sharing this morning, you need to have eyes only for Jesus. And the rest will come. Seek first the kingdom of God. The rest will be added to you.
If you're wondering where your foundation is and you don't know and you're wondering where your identity is and you don't know, I want to give you an opportunity right now that if you don't know Jesus, He is the rock to lay your foundation. So I want to give you this opportunity right now to accept Him into your life so that you can begin to set your foundation and your identity in Him and who He says you are.